This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Welcome to the show, folks. I'm your host, John Roseman. The show is called Because I Said So. Why is it called Because I Said So, John? That's well, called because I said so, because I said so. <laughs> That's why it's called because I said so. And it is also called because I said so, because because I said so <laughs> is associated with traditional child rearing, of which I am an advocate. And if you stay with the show, you'll discover that very shortly. I am a renegade family psychologist. I don't believe in psychology, I believe in the Bible. And psychology and the Bible are 180 degrees removed in their understanding of human nature. I am an author. I am a syndicated newspaper columnist. I am a public speaker. And if you want to to access my bookstore, my upcoming speaking engagements, where I'll be in America, just go to uh, johnrosemond.com. And by the way, upcoming, I will be in... Concord, North Carolina. I will be in California in the Los Angeles area. I believe it's uh, Valencia, California. I will be in uh, Texas in a small community called Leander, Texas, right above Austin and right below Dallas. I will be in uh, Destin, Florida for a private closed event. I will be in Pensacola and Baton Rouge and then Atlanta, and then Augusta, and beyond that, uh, I don't have a sharp enough memory from my calendar to tell you where I'll be, but that takes you up through the middle of September. The show is called Because I Said So, and it's found here exclusively on American Family Radio every Saturday at 5 o'clock Central Time. That would be 6 o'clock Eastern. That would be... 4 o'clock Mountain, and 3 o'clock Pacific, always on Saturday. And I want to I start the show with this, a letter that I received from a, a teacher in Mobile, Alabama. And she begins, John, when I had young children, a friend invited me to Spring Hill Baptist Church in Mobile to hear you talk. I was very impressed with your common sense approach to parenting. I had just had a child diagnosed with Asperger's, so the timing was perfect. Having a large family was another plus. We didn't treat the child any different than we treated the others. I needed him to drive, and so after making him take the test, after she made her son take the test, the lady giving the test said, do you feel comfortable driving? And my son said, no. And so she failed him. I call the Division of Motor Vehicles and ask them to please not ask him that before he took the test the next time. My child's response was, did you want me to lie to the lady when she asked me the question? So I explained to the people at DMV, he was my cautious child and he knew the statistics of wrecks and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, the, as many kids who are diagnosed with autism or Asperger's, he, a child very detail-oriented, and somewhat obsessive. 
Anyway, she finishes her description of her child by saying, I'm proud to say he'll graduate in May from college and already has a job. So, you know, here's my point, folks, that a lot of people, when they get a diagnosis concerning one of their children, they immediately lower their expectations of the child. And here is a woman who does what I tell people who receive diagnoses like autism and Asperger's and ADD, ODD and bipolar disorder and all this other stuff that they diagnose children with these days is a diagnosis really requires that you elevate your expectations of your child and you elevate your expectations of yourself. You are going to do your child and yourself a disservice if you function from the point of diagnosis on as if the diagnosis is a disability and because you operate on that basis, lower your expectations for this child, you'll be doing the child a great disservice. You actually need to increase your expectations of yourself and your child, you need to buckle down at this point. This is something to be overcome, not something to be catered to. So anyway, that's point. I, I, I just found the letter to be very, very interesting. I write this to say, this email, I'm going on, thank you and through your weekend, the weekend that I was there at uh, Spring Hill Baptist Church in Mobile, and gosh, that must have been, that must have been 20 years ago if I'm remembering correctly. Anyway, I write this to say that through your weekend and books, I am a good parent. After graduating in elementary, which I appreciate, I mean, I really appreciate, but let me explain to the audience here. I say this all the time. I am not saying anything new. Your great-grandmother could have said, could have told you what I'm telling you. I have been given by God a gift to be able to express these very traditional, old-fashioned, biblically-based parenting ideas in a compelling way to today's young parents, you know, who are growing up during a time when traditional parenting, the, the, the attitude behind traditional parenting is as alien to them as anything possibly can be. And so I'm out in culture trying to keep these ideas alive. That's my mission and my ministry. So I really appreciate it and always try to respond in the most gracious way possible to somebody who says things like, John, your books have turned me into a great parent, or I love your ideas. I always respond very graciously, but I try to point out these are not my ideas. These ideas are literally as old as the hills. These ideas are derived from God's word, and it is to his glory that I dedicate the work that I do in culture. Uh, after gra- I'm going on with this woman's letter. After graduating in elementary education, I taught several years, and then I began a family and stayed home for several years. And when my... Uh, my youngest child was in the first grade. I returned to the classroom, and things had really changed. So it was about a, you know, I would estimate here, based on the timeline in her letter, a 10-year hiatus. When I came back, I had the worst class I've ever had in my teaching career. 
and I guess this is this year, I have the worst class I've ever had in my teaching career due to technology and the parents. Now, if you're a parent out there, you need to listen to this because this I want to tell you that this letter is representative of letters that I receive from teachers from all over the country. And by the way, not just public school teachers, but private school, Christian school, parochial school, all the way across the board. Same complaints, and the complaints are not about the children. They are about the parents. And if you are a parent, again, you need to listen to this because I think parents need to absorb, need to reflect on the sorts of things that teachers are saying about them behind their backs in the teacher's lounge. We do the positive behavior intervention system when it comes to discipline, which is just same old, same old, worthless, junk discipline that public schools have been embracing and practicing for the last 50 years, which is why classroom behavior is so bad. They continue to embrace these politically and psychologically correct disciplinary systems that don't work. And why don't they work? Because they're methods-based. And I keep saying to parents, good parenting is not constituted by a bunch of methods. Good Parenting is constituted by an attitude, a proper attitude. If you go into a, a classroom where you have a teacher who has a standing reputation for being an excellent disciplinarian, she has excellent classroom control, folks, I guarantee you, you will not be watching a teacher who controls her class by using methods. You will be watching a teacher who controls her class by properly projecting the legitimacy of her authority in the classroom. And this is the key to proper discipline, folks, whether it's in a classroom or in the home. The key to proper discipline is not proper methods properly used. I can't say it often enough. I'll say it again then. The key to effective discipline is not, whether you're in the home or a classroom, whether you're a parent or a teacher, it is not proper methods properly used. It is a proper attitude properly projected, and this attitude reflects complete confidence in the legitimacy of your adult authority. And this is what, and I tell people all the time, and I will tell you, the listening audience here, American Family Radio, the show is called Because I Said So. I'm John Roseman. I'm a family psychologist. I know what I'm talking about. I'm a parenting expert. Don't you know? This attitude is calm. It is straightforward. It is manifested in few words as opposed to long-winded explanations. And it one of its aspects is the use of four words that also are the four words that constitute the title of this show, Because I Said So. 
because I said so, which is nothing more than a statement that affirms the legitimacy of your cl- uh, of your authority, whether in the classroom or in the home. So anyway, when we come back from the break, I'll read more from this woman's letter because it's very interesting and very telling. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. And for those of you who have just joined us, the show is called Because I Said So. American Family Radio, thank you to Tim Wildman and everyone there in Tupelo, Mississippi, at the wonderful American Family Association and American Family Radio organizations for allowing me the privilege of doing this show every Saturday at 5 o'clock Central Time. And what I'm doing here is reading from an email that I received from a teacher recently. Well, she's a parent, but she's also a teacher. And she talks about how she was able to successfully raise a child who had been diagnosed with Asperger's. The child, by the way, this past May graduated college And before he graduated from college, already had a job. So this is a child who in his early 20s will be self-supporting. And after thanking me for the contribution that I made through my work, my mission and ministry to her parenting, the success of her parenting, she goes into a lament concerning her experience in the classroom, her more recent experiences in the classroom. And she says that in her classroom, she is forced by her administration to use the Positive Behavior Intervention System, PBIS. It's the latest iteration of worthless classroom discipline pushed by America's public schools since the early 1970s when it became politically and psychologically incorrect to discipline in a classroom in a traditional fashion. You know, a traditional fashion. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, spankings, paddlings, canings, etc., etc. I'm just talking about telling children, I'm in charge here. You're not. You will do what I say because I said so. And if you don't, there will be consequences. You will write sentences, you will stay after school, you will police the school grounds picking up trash, you will stay in from recess for a week, you will write an additional theme for me, etc., etc. All that stuff is no longer allowed because schools are terrified of lawsuits, terrified of lawsuits, and therefore meaning they are terrified of today's parents. She goes on to say, most of the children are downright disrespectful. I would rather discipline them myself, however, than get the behavior specialist involved because that just adds more work for me, adds more work for me, giving them stickers, setting up goals, blah, 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 nothing changes, but I have more paperwork. Two parents have called the superintendent about me recently over silly things like their child had nightmares. 
because I let them watch a scary movie. The mother said they were up all night, overslept, and it was my fault. Now, this is the kind of thing I hear from teachers all over the country. You know, they, they every anything they do can be become an issue for today's parents because today's parents can't accept that, that, you know, in the course of a normal life, you occasionally get upset. I mean, it's impossible, ladies and gentlemen, to live a normal life without getting upset. Well, it, it is if you're an adult. I mean, I rarely, I'm 68 years old. I've accepted life completely. And so I don't get upset about anything. I mean, that really, I don't get upset about anything anymore. I think, you know, when I see somebody get upset, I just kind of giggle to myself because I've been there, done that. And I realize how fruitless it is to get upset about anything. You don't accomplish anything by getting upset, but children don't understand that. So children get upset and about things. And uh, but today's parents can't accept that, you know, that what today's parent is trying to do is create utopia for his or her child, a utopian childhood in which you get everything you want, everything goes your way and you never get upset. And this is why we're having the problems that we are having in American parenting, because that's just a completely unrealistic attitude And it's a completely unrealistic expectation. But parents transfer this expectation to teachers who are expected to give children what they want and never upset them. And when a child comes home and complains that, you know, uh, they watched a scary movie and and, and the mother uh, begins talking about it. And the mother doesn't realize that by talking about this, You make the child's emotional reaction to, in this case, a scary movie. Why it was scary, I'm sure it wasn't a monster movie or anything like that. I mean, come on, this is elementary school. A teacher's not going to, you know, uh, uh, show the kids uh, an early Dracula movie or something like that. It was a nondescript movie, and for some reason the kid got upset. And what's called an idiosyncratic reaction. And the mother should have just said, well, I mean, you're making a big deal out of nothing. You're making a mountain out of a molehill. Get a grip. This is nothing to be upset about. The mother gives it importance by talking about it. And the kid's reaction, because the mother gives it importance, and children look to adults to interpret the world for them. And so the mother is saying to the kid, in effect, the subtext, of all of this is, you're right. You have a right to be upset. And so the kid gets more upset. And folks, I'm telling you the way this happens. And then the you know the kid starts crying, and the mother calls the school, and you know my child is all upset because of a movie the teacher uh, showed the class. It was probably some National Geographic thing <laughs> when it all comes down to it. But this is indicative of today's parenting. Parents today are so protective and so defensive concerning their children and on behalf of their children that they raise children who aren't sturdy people emotionally. 
And these people, these children grow up to be adults who aren't sturdy adults, who collapse emotionally at the slightest of insults. So the teacher, the letter goes on. Uh, The mother who called me about her child's uh, nightmare also told me that it was my fault that uh, her child cheated on a test but I because I didn't teach her all the material. What did you get that folks? Her child cheated on a test because the teacher failed to teach the material the child needed to know in order to do the test without cheating. This is the kind of convoluted stuff folks I hear from teachers all over America. And, I mean, she goes on with a list of stuff. You know, parents do this, parents do that. And then she asks, why can't parents support teachers these days? The average teacher teaches five years now, and that's correct. I'm so burned out, I'm thinking of a job change when my youngest gets his license next year. In the meantime, do you have any suggestions? I'm just out of ideas. This exasperation on the part of people who try to do their best when it comes to children and almost invariably, no matter how hard they try, they get more negative feedback from parents than positive feedback. And the problem is a culture, a parent culture that has dedicated itself to making sure children never experience life. That's the only way it can be accurately described. Never experience life because, folks, life is, I mean, it's, it, it involves being upset. It involves deprivation. It involves being told you can't have your own way. It, it involves accepting that you don't have something that someone else has. And on and on and on and on. And today's parents, I'm sad to say, afraid to tell you, they seem dedicated to, you know, making sure their children never get upset about anything. And in order to do that, they give their children what they want. They let them have their way. And they protect them in every way, shape, and form in the process from life itself. And grow people who are not sturdy, who start cutting themselves as young teenagers because they don't know how to deal with life. Teacher goes on to say, This year I feel like I haven't taught all the material I should have because each day I spend so much time discussing rules, choices, actions, and so on and so forth, and it's really unfair to those children who really want to learn. I wish you'd write a book on discipline in the classroom. Aha! Good news. I have partnered with a person who has been a teacher for many years, a private school administrator, a dean of students, and I am, in fact, in the process of, with this other individual, writing that very book. It is entitled yet, it's, we're just in the process of sketching it out in outline form, so I can't tell you any more than that, but we're going to 
collaborate. And he, he actually approached me and said, John, you know, everything you talk about is transferable to the issue of classroom discipline. And if we could just get this across to classroom teachers, and especially the younger ones who have been seduced by this idea that discipline is all about proper methods, properly used, we will just be doing teachers the the greatest favor that we could possibly do them. So we are writing this book together. More on that in upcoming programs. Anyway, we're at the end of this one. John Roseman, Because I Said So, American Family Radio, every Saturday at 5 o'clock Central Time. Thanks for being with us.